Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.19 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's going to take me a while to get used to saying that. It is the 8th of September, 2022, and this is episode 611 of Bitcoin. And let's just get on with the boostograms. I got two today. I got one from letter 6173, again, with the Striper Boost. Yeah, 7,777 Satoshis says, Stack sats, drink clear alcohol, exercise often, have a family, find faith. All right, so anybody wondering about that clear alcohol deal, it has, clear alcohol is pretty much drunk by people that really just don't want the excess sugars. Uh, You will find excess sugars in whiskeys and scotches and brandies, especially stuff like brandies and wines and whatnot like that. Vodkas, gins, your clear alcohols, tequilas, have a lot less sugar in them. However, it should be noted, alcohol itself should be considered a sugar. Why? Because it's a carbon skeleton. And your human metabolism knows exactly what to do with any kind of sugar that it encounters, almost. And alcohol is one of those things that it knows what to do with. And it sends it through what's called the TCA cycle or the citric acid cycle and converts it into all the metabolites that uh, humans are going to do. Some of those create fat. Some of those create plaques. Some of those are not good for you. Most of them are. but just try to stay away from sugar if we can. And if you do want to drink, yeah, yeah. Letters is right. Clear alcohol is probably better. However, I do like myself a nice smoky scotch. Um, Have a family and find faith. Okay. Have a family. I totally agree. I do agree to have faith in something. Nobody here is asking you to go believe in God. Um, I do. But I recognize that some people just, they don't get it. That's okay, man. Go be in peace. 7,777 sats helps me be at peace. Uh, P-E-T-A-R, P-E-T-A-R, one of my favorites, 1,000 sats, no message. Come on, Peter. Come on, Pitar. Give me, give me, give me something to read. But he didn't, so that is it for the Boostergrams today. Let's start the news with Bitcoin Magazine and Heidi Porter, Ben Hancock, and Zaya Zaza, uh, who's writing this one again for Bitcoin Magazine, says Bitcoin Beach North and building out Bitcoin in a bank building. Have you heard the exciting news? There's a new Bitcoin beach in the world. It's also the first 
furthest north of any Bitcoin beach enclave located on 130 acres of private property in central Michigan. Bitcoin Beach North at Lake Satoshi sits at latitude 42.9272437. Both Bitcoin Beach North and Lake Satoshi are discoverable on Google Maps. This Bitcoin Beach will even freeze over in the winter and turns into a hotspot for ice fishing. The first annual Bitcoin Beach barbecue was held on Saturday, August 20th, 2022. Somewhere around 70 to 85 Bitcoiners and pre-coiners came from all around the hand or the mitten of Michigan to camp out, hang out, eat and talk and learn about Bitcoin. It was beyond fantastic to just hang out with sand and sun and some hard seltzer in real life with Bitcoiners. The conversation flowed easily, no phones and texting, just lots of vast and varied Bitcoin topics and talking. Mike Smith has owned the property since 1992, originally purchased as a gravel pit to service his excavation company. Recently, the lake was rechristened as Lake Satoshi in Bitcoin Beach North in March of 2021. At the barbecue, Smith gave a presentation on Bitcoin and handed out some sats, shirts, and swag to pre-coiners who had come to the event to learn about Bitcoin. Yet another Bitcoin, Ben, worked his Bitcoiner butt off to make the inaugural barbecue at Bitcoin Beach North event welcoming and informative to all. He's been a Bitcoiner since high school, so he got into sound money at a young age of 17. Ben now helps at Bitcoin 101 with marketing and education. The third member of the Bitcoin 101 trio is P.F. Smith and P.F. worked together throughout the 90s. Sorry, (laughs) P.F. Sorry, let's try that again. The third member of the Bitcoin 101 trio is P.F. Smith and PF worked together throughout the 90s and were united again through Bitcoin. PF is responsible for maintaining the Bitcoin 101 website, as well as the Michigan Plebeian Mesh Network. More on that in a subsequent article. An illustrative signpost shows the mileage to important Bitcoin landmarks and companies. Much time was spent around the totem sign discussing the various pointers and meanings and who else should or should not be added. There were also there was also one pointer that wasn't obvious to most people at first, which is a fun quiz to see if you can guess it right. We all spent time thinking and talking about it, and eventually a few of us got it. You'll have to visit it to put your guess in. As fabulous as the event was, it was just a small part of what's happening around Bitcoin Beach North and Bitcoin education and community in Michigan and the surrounding areas. Mike Smith runs Bitcoin 101, a Bitcoin education and services offices that resides in a historic bank building in Ovid, Michigan, about six miles from Bitcoin Beach North at Lake Satoshi. Smith set his intention to house the Bitcoin services office in an old bank building. However, to his surprise, the first bank he looked at purchasing would not sell to him because he was promoting Bitcoin. (laughs) Uh, Like a lot of roadblocks in life, Smith says the setback was ultimately a blessing in that they found a much better building only five minutes away from Bitcoin Beach North. By a stroke of luck, Smith was driving by the bank one day and spotted a for sale sign in the window. This time he was more covert about the intention to turn it into a Bitcoin education center and it worked. Jesus. Really? I'm not going to sell you something because of X? Do you hate money? 
I, I guess people hate money. I don't know. The current building is a historical treasure and history lesson of fiat banking with bank deposit slips from the 1800s in a mechanical bank vault that was manufactured in Hamilton, Ohio. Today, the vault is secured with a hybrid of digital and mechanical locks. And this is a big, I'm looking at pictures of it. This is a huge, solid ass, big old bank door, just like you'd expect. Uh, Smith and his Bitcoin team are setting up historical displays about past and future money. They also run various Bitcoin miners that heat the office in the very cold Michigan winters. Given that Bitcoin 101 and Bitcoin Beach North are not far from the Michigan state capital in Lansing, Smith hopes to sit down with local legislators, business owners, and residents during their upcoming monthly meetups. The first mid-Michigan meetup will be Wednesday, October 19th. Check the Bitcoin101.io site for details. Again, that's Bitcoin101.io. Several other Bitcoin meetups currently happen statewide across Michigan in the areas of Grand Rapids, Detroit, and Benton Harbor, home of Whirlpool, the appliance manufacturer, not the CoinJoin implementation. So if you are ever in Michigan, check out Bitcoin 101 and Bitcoin Beach North, summer or winter. Yeah, I guess if you're going to go in winter, uh, learn how to do ice fishing. Learn how to do ice fishing. That, that might be good. Okay. Now on to this one. The Cato Institute CEO says that his daughter married Bitcoin sign guy. <laughs> you know, the guy from the 2017 hearing. Turner Wright has more on from, uh, from Cointelegraph. Peter Gottler, or however you pronounce his name, the CEO of United States-based think tank Cato Institute, has provided an update to the crypto community on the man who photobombed former Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen during a 2017 congressional hearing, and he's in the family. In a Monday online conference hosted by the Cato Institute on the state of U.S. monetary policy, Gottler told Fed Chair Jerome Powell that the Bitcoin sign guy became his son-in-law in 2022. The man whose image while asking viewers to buy Bitcoin as Yellen was testifying on the state of the United States economy went viral in 2017 and was later identified to be, and I'm not going to say his name, I'm not going to help dox the guy, quote, <clears throat> the gentleman who photobombed Janet Yellen five years ago by holding up a buy Bitcoin sign behind her during the Humphrey Hawkins testimony earlier this year became my son-in-law, said Gottler, prompting chuckles from Pal and himself. In response to Gottler's questioning on whether regulators might ultimately strangle crypto, Pal added that he also had a close family or has close family members who argued that the technology was still in the developmental phase, suggesting Bitcoin proponents may be close to home. The Fed chair reiterated his views that unbacked crypto was largely a speculative asset and seemingly did not have support from the public for payments. Langless, oh, sorry, I doxed his last name. The kid, the Bitcoin sign guy, who was 22 years old when he held up the Bitcoin sign at the hearing, raised thousands of dollars in the aftermath of the image going viral. Five years later, many in the crypto space still reference the Buy Bitcoin Act for parody and to illustrate how the landscape has changed. The BTC price was in the 2000s. Let me repeat that. Back in 2017, it was in the 2000s when Langolas appeared on camera, but has since risen to 19,218 at the time of publication. According to One Wedding Registry through Zola, Abigail Gottler married 
Bitcoin guy on April the 30th. It does not appear that the couple registered or requested Bitcoin as a gift. Well, that's not going to be in the registry, guys, though. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if this is true. I can't imagine it not being true, but can you say the word spook? Now, the Bitcoin sign guy's got an interesting history. Yes, he did this thing. Janet Yellen was, he was, she was actually not talking about the United States economy at the exact time. What she was saying when he held up the sign is that she refused to believe that there was any reason at all that the United States Federal Reserve should be audited. And that's when he's held up the sign. Okay, so yes, clearly it's about the U.S. economy, kind of, but there was some nuance there. Yeah, she was saying that the Fed doesn't need to be audited and she just doesn't see any reason for that. Of course you don't. Of course you don't, because we would freak out if the Fed was audited and those results were fully made public. All right. But the Cato Institute isn't exactly an institute that I trust. And Bitcoin sign guy kind of got into shit coinery after this. And I can't remember what it was, but it was very shit coiny. And now he's married the daughter of the CEO of the Cato Institute. That kind of raises the hackles on the back of my neck, but I, I hope Bitcoin sign guy is happy. I hope the woman he married is happy. I hope their father, their, her father and his father-in-law are happy. Wish them all the best. Just please don't be a spook, okay? We've got enough of them in the White House and they're suggesting banning proof of work mining used by Bitcoin. Sean Amick for Bitcoin Magazine tells us what we knew eventually was going to come. Let's see what he's got to say about it. The White House Office of Science and Technology released a report claiming Bitcoin mining negatively impacts the environment and hence towards banning proof of work. Quote, electricity usage from digital assets is contributing to greenhouse gas emissions, additional pollution noise, and other local impacts depending on markets, policies, and local electricity sources, read the report. The first section of the report serves as an introduction while also hinting towards banning proof-of-work mining, which is used to mine Bitcoin, if, eh, I got an ad that just screwed my, my place up, hold on, which is used to mine Bitcoin, if regulatory action fails to influence U.S. climate goals. Quote, should these measures prove ineffective at reducing impacts, the administration should explore executive actions and Congress might consider legislation to limit or eliminate the use of high energy intensity consensus mechanisms for crypto asset mining as per the report. Next, the document explores how mining can affect electrical grids. The Office of Science and Technology asserts that Bitcoin mining facilities create added stress on the power grid that leads to blackouts, fire hazards, and equipment deterioration. The, local, or the report also claims that Bitcoin miners will raise the average electricity cost for local consumers. Oh, this is so bad. Uh, it's not really bad for us because, well, I'll, I'll get to that in the commentary. Quote, depending on the energy intensity of the technology used, crypto assets could hinder broader efforts to achieve net zero carbon pollution uh, consistent with the United States climate commitments and goals, reads the report. Finally, the last section concludes that there are ways in which Bitcoin mining can actually benefit U.S. climate goals, although this is a much smaller section. 
Quote, proof-of-work mining that installs equipment to use vented methane to generate electricity for operations is more likely to help rather than hinder U.S. climate objectives, said the report. However, it is worth mentioning, of the cited resources used in this report, many are debated and some of the researchers have received criticism for extreme bias or misinformation. Well, of course. Now, carbon pollution is an interesting phrase. There is no such thing as carbon pollution. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and, and kind of get into this a little bit. Carbon as an element on the periodic table is one of the most wonderful elements that there is. Carbon provides four bonds to other chemistries, whether it be other carbon, whether it be nitrogen, phosphorus, oxygen, sulfur, you name it, motherfucker, that thing can bond to anything. And because there's four bonds, the symmetry of the bonding mechanism or the symmetry of the bonding provides a veritable infinite erector set of things that you can build. All your proteins in your body are carbon-based. All the fat in your body is carbon-based. All the food that you eat is carbon-based. All the vegetation on the planet is carbon-based. All the animals and, and insects, everything that you see that is living is made from mostly carbon. That's right. Not kind of from carbon, mostly carbon. Insects have chitin as their protective shell. Mushrooms very much use chitin. Guess what? Major component, carbon. The carbon cycle is just as important as the water cycle, the nitrogen cycle, phosphorus cycle, any other mineral cycle, energy cycle, heat cycle, you name it. It's important and it's, an, it's a cycle. And it's critical because that's how the entire planet evolved over millions and millions and millions of years. Okay? So what's really going on here is that the people that are losing their shit about too much carbon dioxide in the atmosphere don't ever say, the, uh, they don't talk about the elephant in the room. We've destroyed the carbon sink. If there's a source of, of something, if there's a source of X, if there's not a sink for X to drain into, then you're going to have an excess of what? X. Because it keeps getting in there, but it doesn't have a way to get out of there. We've interrupted the cycle. And how did we do that? We didn't do that by burning fossil fuels. We didn't do that by the discovery of fossil fuels. Okay, we've been burning wood since we were in caves. Not that we had 8 billion cavemen on the planet, but I, I mean, I, I get that criticism, but you see what I'm saying. What have we done also? We've modernized agriculture to a point that the land cannot soak up carbon dioxide like it used to. We've made monocultures that destroy all manner of things that help carbon get back into the soil, which is, in my opinion, where it belongs. Not all of it. Not all of it. It needs to be in a cycle. But we've interrupted the sink part of the carbon cycle. But nobody will actually admit that we have a problem with agriculture. We don't have a problem with burning fossil fuels. We have a problem 
with agriculture. And it's twofold. One, it's delivering us the most nutrient undense food that humankind has ever been exposed to. And it's happened over the last 70 years. Two, it's disrupted the way the atmosphere interacts with the soil, allowing that soil to take in precious carbon and sequester it in the ground. And until somebody finally addresses the fact that that's the real problem, then we're not going to turn around anything by turning off a Bitcoin miner or banning gasoline engines or any of the harebrained hysterical bullshit that you're being told. All of what we're being told is a lie. If it's coming out of some fiat government, they are not telling you the truth. And if they are, they're not telling you the whole truth or they're using that truth and warping it and bastardizing it and doing other things with it to turn it into something that gets you to act in a certain way. But it's not the real truth. The real truth here, we need carbon. We need it in the ground. We need it in the atmosphere. And the only way to do that is to release carbon and then sequester carbon. And then that forms the carbon cycle. Anybody who's not talking about the problem of the carbon sink not being what it used to be, either doesn't know what the hell they're talking about, or they are lying square to your face. And this is a thing. Believe me, I've, I've read more about it than many, many people have ever read about it. I know this is a thing. If you want to quiz me on it, send me a boostagram. At any, at, you can send me 10 Satoshis. Ask me a question how I know. I will try on the air to, un, to unpack this incredibly important issue of how agriculture has destroyed the carbon sink. And I will do so for the low, low price of 10 Satoshis. I'd appreciate more, but you know, hey, we got to start somewhere, right? Now, starting, speaking of starting, uh, we got the, we got Gensler here. Uh, SEC Chair Gary Gensler backs giving CFTC Bitcoin oversight. It begins. The White House is now in on it. Uh, Gary Gensler, which I have kind of always thought was a spook, but gave him the benefit of the doubt. Now he's going on about it. Let's get into it. Tim Hackey writes it for Decrypt.co. At an industry conference today, Securities Exchange Commission Chief Gary Gensler said that he supports handing the Commodity Futures Trading Commission the power to oversee and regulate crypto non-security tokens and related intermediaries. That's going to include Bitcoin, y'all. Gensler stressed that should Congress give the CFTC prime oversight over crypto, his own federal agency should not be overlooked. Quote, let's ensure that we don't inadvertently undermine securities laws underlying $100 trillion of capital markets. The securities laws have made our capital markets the envy of the world. Uh, Yeah, I I don't think that that's true right now. There has been a flurry of proposals, both from the crypto industry itself and from Washington to delegate oversight of the crypto industry to the CFTC, which presently only has the power to regulate derivatives. Gensler has previously said that Bitcoin is a commodity, not a security, but many believe he wants to find a way to bring, God forbid, Ethereum, the world's second largest cryptocurrency by market cap, under SEC control. Crypto lawyer Jake Chervinsky uh, took to Twitter 
after the news broke to argue that Gensler still has Ethereum lined up in his crosshairs. Uh, two tweets from Chervinsky. This isn't what the article says. It claims Chair Gensler supports CFTC regulation for crypt- of cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin and quotes him referring to crypto non-security tokens. There's no mention of uh, e- uh, uh, sorry. There's no mention of ETH except in reference to the DCCPA, a bill that hasn't expressly he hasn't expressly supported. For context, there have been rumors for a while that Chair Gensler's SEC would love to walk away from its June 2018 guidance saying ETH isn't a security, but they haven't found a credible way to do that yet. There isn't one. I don't read this article as him giving even an inch. Okay, that's Chervinsky. Back in February, CFTC Chair or Chief Rostin Benman made a case for expanding his agency's authority to include crypto in a letter to the House and Senate Agricultural Committees. He asserted that the CFTC was best positioned to protect consumers from the market risks. In April, a bipartisan group of lawmakers introduced a bill to regulate developers, dealers, and exchanges working with cryptocurrencies. Their Digital Commodities Exchange Act proposes to expand the CFTC's regulatory power, giving it direct oversight over exchanges and non-security cryptocurrencies. In June, Senators Cynthia Lummis and Kristen Gillibrand introduced their Bipartisan Responsible Financial Innovation Act. Lummis spoke at Decrypt or to decrypt at the time and sketched an overview of her proposed system, whereby the CFTC handles most cryptocurrencies as commodities, while the SEC oversees the investment products stemming from them and any tokens that are closer in law to securities. In July, the CFTC announced it was opening a new tech innovation office and staffing it with industry experts to gain a better understanding of the industry in preparation for its role as a regulator. The Senate Agricultural Committee introduced... Digital Commodities Consumer Protection Act, the DCCPA, one month later. It proposes to grant the CFTC exclusive oversight over digital commodities. The DCCPA also mandates brokers, custodians, dealers, and trading facilities that deal in digital commodities to register with the CFTC or face penalties. Yay. While nothing has passed Congress yet, there is a lot of demand from both lawmakers and the industry to grant the CFTC prime oversight. In any case, many crypto fans believe Gensler is looking to take as much control as he can get. Well, duh. Of course he is. Of course he is. Why? Because he's a fiat government regulator. They have no other, they, they apparently don't, want to do anything other than regulate. They don't want to go fishing. They don't want to go to the movies. They don't want to read books. They just literally apparently wake up and go, how can I regulate something to death today? That's all they do. And that's all they're ever going to do. That's all they have ever done. And anybody who thinks that Gary Gensler is going to be some kind of savior is fooling themselves. He's a spook, dude. He's a spook. Let's talk about Swan Bitcoin. Bitcoin Magazine, Sean Amick has this one. Swan launches first Bitcoin-only platform for financial advisors. Now, I thought I'd heard about this before, but maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out. Swan Bitcoin, a Bitcoin-only service provider, has launched Swan Advisor Services, a Bitcoin wealth management and custody platform for financial advisors, per a press release. 
Users of the platform will be able to complete Bitcoin transactions, monitor funds, and manage portfolios of Bitcoin, as well as access or have access to custodial solutions. Swan's newest platform will be the first platform for investment advisors focused solely on Bitcoin. Quote, until now, it's been hard for financial planners who have embraced Bitcoin to plug, damn you. Sorry, another advertisement, lost my place. Users of the platform will be able to complete, oh, sorry, quote, until now. It has been hard for financial planners who have embraced Bitcoin to plug the asset into their day-to-day client reporting and portfolio management tool, said Corey Clipston, CEO of Swan Bitcoin, per the release. Here comes Corey, quote, it should be easier for financial advisors to deliver Bitcoin in the context of their clients' overall portfolios. That's why we are building Swan Advisor Services, end quote. Swan's service will give advisors clear visibility into their clients' Bitcoin positions through a user-friendly interface leveraging the company's core purchase, custody, and client support functions. Quote, with the best Bitcoin education team in the world and an exclusive focus on Bitcoin, Swan Advisor Services is uniquely positioned to provide financial advisors and their clients with the best Bitcoin solution in the market, said Andy Edstrom, (laughs) Managing Director of Swan Advisor Services. Additionally, the platform can integrate with the advisors with an advisor's existing portfolio management system, and Swan intends to onboard a host of advisors to its platform. Quote, Bitcoin is the most sound, responsible way to invest, said Clipston. Our company has deep research and educational roots in the broader cryptocurrency space, and we strongly believe Bitcoin is the only responsible investment. So again, I thought I had heard about this out of Swan before, but I, maybe that was out of River. Maybe that was out of River Financial. I don't know, but you know, I, I love Swan, and I really have a lot of respect for Corey Clipston especially the way he continuously called out what was going to end up being the Celsius and Three Arrows Capital and all the rest of those idiots. That debacle, he was calling that shit out at least, at least a month before all that shit broke loose and of which we are still feeling the effects. Now, lastly, before we run numbers, Bloomberg analyst Bitcoin is a wild card set to outperform Bitcoin Magazine. And this is again, Sean Amick. Mike McGlone, a senior commodity strategist at Bloomberg, shared Bloomberg's Crypto Outlook report on LinkedIn discussing Bitcoin's next bull run as it relates to the broader economy. Quote, Bitcoin is at a discount within an elongated bull market, read the report. Furthermore, The report explains that it's only a matter of time before the Federal Reserve has to switch its current monetary policy of quantitative tightening, at which point Bitcoin is poised to be a primary beneficiary due to its underperformance in the current market. In short, once the increase of rates seems to return to normalcy and large amounts of borrowing funds return, large influxes of borrowed cash tends to flow into traditional assets. McGlone expanded on this thesis in a recent interview on Bell Media stating, quote, Bitcoin and cryptos are going to keep doing what they do best, outperforming most traditional assets with declining volatility, end quote. To further expand on the declining volatility of Bitcoin, the aforementioned report gave a clear and concise explanation for both the declining volatility of Bitcoin and the inevitability of its increasing value over time due to simple economics, quote, 
Bitcoin's volatility is declining with increasing adoption and participation, read the report. This is happening as the supply is declining, which by the rules of economics means rising prices over time, end quote. Thus, McGlone sees a bottom for Bitcoin as the Federal Reserve changes direction in future monetary policy, which some reports have suggested will begin to happen early of 2023, quote, I fully expect Bitcoin to bottom out maybe around 20,000, maybe a bit lower like it did in 2018 and like it did in 2013, the strategist explained in the interview. Take from that what you want. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities, oil, and the rest of energy bouncing back from what was going on today, which was kind of a bloodbath, honestly. Uh, West Texas Intermediate up just over two points to $83.60. Brent, did I say West Texas Intermediate? Yeah, that okay. West Texas Intermediate, $83.6. Brent North Sea is up one and a quarter point to $89.13. Natural gas up 1.3% to $7.94 per thousand. Uh, gasoline is up one and a half. Well, a little bit lower than that, but it's at $2.34. Uh, shiny metal rocks have mostly a good day, except for Peter Schiff's pet rock, uh, which is down 0.6% to $1,717.40. Silver up 0.6 to $18.37. Platinum is up two and a third. Copper is up two and two thirds. And palladium is up damn near 6% today. Agricultural futures are mostly down, slightly mixed. Cotton's the big winner, 3.08% to the upside. Wheat, the biggest loser, 2.04% to the downside. Dow is down scant. S&P is up scant. NASDAQ down a quarter. And the S&P mini is up a third of a point. Uh, let's get into real money. $19,184.88 is the price for Bitcoin standing right now. We have 10,480 transactions every hour on the hour with 4.6 million BTC changing hands in a 24 hour period. Uh, we have 18.3 BTC as an average transaction value. The median transaction value is 0.026 or just a tick under $500. Lost some hash rate because we're at 11 minutes and 15 seconds on block time. Uh, 0.115 BTC taking fees on a per block basis. <clears throat> 14.6 BTC taken overall in fees on a 24 hour basis. And with a 5.15% drop in hash rate, we're down to, yeah, okay, that makes sense. 213.5 exahashes per second. Yesterday, we were around uh, 232, 235 or something like that. So now that 11-minute <clears throat> mark uh, makes sense. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge. Six United States pennies. Try to take two of them and rub them together and see if you can make a spark out of it. 7,623 transactions waiting on five blocks to clear. We have market capitalization of $367.5 billion. That's 3.26% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 11.3 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19 million. 144,692.17 of and 4,704.6 of those are in the Lightning Network, now valued at $90.2 million. 
Uh, that's being run over 17,225 nodes, sporting 85,319 payment channels and 70.9, sorry, 70.9% of all of that is being run over Tor. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two, the snooze that you can use. I hope this is going to cause a few people to chuckle. I've got a couple in here that I found particularly funny. Cointelegraph starts us off. Ezra Reguera. Community calls out bots spanning crypto Twitter threads. Yeah, we're going to start here. Twitter is a platform for community members to discuss various bullshit. Actually, he doesn't say that, but let's figure it out. However, productive discussions are often hindered by bots that spam. Why is no one talking about this? Often paired with a link to some shady project or scam landing pages. Because of this, the community has expressed their ire in various ways with some employing satire and even art. There's a, uh, here's a tweet from Cointelegraph. No one, absolutely no one. Crypto bots and replies. Why is nobody talking about this? Yeah, no shit. I'm starting to, I have been seeing a lot of these, a lot of these, and I have nowhere close to the amount of followers I had before Twitter uh, axed my account last Christmas. Crypto analyst Lark Davis posted a screenshot of bots pretending to be the Binance CEO, Shengpeng Zhao. Davis tagged Twitter and urged them to sort out the issue. The analyst described the Twitter threads as a bot wasteland. Being the person impersonated by bots, Zhao also commented on the issue, saying that bots should be a high priority on Twitter's to-do list. The Binance CEO shared a video showing many of his impersonators flooding a thread. Zhao also clarified that if it was not obvious to people, he did not comment on the thread that was shown. As a way to point out the issue, crypto trader Scott Melker posted a replica of the spammer's words in all caps. Meanwhile, an artist made his own statement by turning the scam tweets into a digital art costume. I can't describe the picture other than that it's freaking hilarious. Uh, While the members of the community made very clear points, it did not stop the bots from once again flooding the Twitter threads of those trying to call for a fix. In April, billionaire Elon Musk said in a talk that if he successfully purchases Twitter, one of his top priorities would be the elimination of scam bot armies within the social platform. According to Musk, bots are making the platform much worse, highlighting the issue. On August the 21st, a cybersecurity analyst published a thread that aims to help inexperienced crypto users to avoid scams based on Twitter. The analyst highlighted that scammers use many strategies such as fake airdrops, fake projects, and malware to name a few. So again, to reiterate, if if this is not, if you're on uh, Bitcoin Twitter and you're not seeing any bots on your, uh, in replies to anything that that you tweet out, then consider yourself lucky. Because over the last three days, I cannot post anything at all without literally, why is nobody talking about this? And then a, uh, a shortened uh, link to what, and I won't even, I won't even link. The first thing that I do is, well, okay. The first thing that you do is to not click any of those links. The second thing that I do, any of these people that get into my threads that I can see, and I try to do this a lot is I block that account. I don't mute it. I just block it. 
Generally, I don't like blocking people, but like every single one of these things that I see has the same architecture. It says in the, the reply, why is nobody talking about this? And there's either a video or a link. Don't go to either. The name of or the handle of the Twitter account is always something like, you know, Threadbear 89886472. There's a shit ton of numbers behind it. Very rarely do I see anything that doesn't have at least six digits behind some kind of text name. Then there's no followers. They have zero followers and they may be following like either anywhere between two and 5,000, depending on how long that bot is active. But there's usually no followers or one or two followers. And then the date of inception for that account is usually like 24 hours ago, 48 hours ago from whenever you see it. All I can suggest at this point is if they're getting in your threads, just block them. And that helps other people not be able to see them so that they don't get scanned themselves. So just be aware it's getting worse and worse and worse. Another thing to say about that is that even if Elon Musk is, and I'm sure he, sure he was um, <clears throat> telling the truth when his first priority would be to get rid of the bots, how are you going to do that? I mean, are you going to kill uh, Archelect? Because Archelect is a bot account and every once in a while it tweets an interesting picture. Some of them are, you know, better than others, but still it's a bot. Nobody's controlling that thing except the person that set the bot up. But he's, that person is not sitting there tweeting the picture manually. That's, that's an automated bot. How are you going to tell the difference? Are you just going to go after the people that say, uh, why is nobody talking about this? Because all they're going to do, all, all they're going to do is just find some other phrase. I, it, I don't, I don't even see how to, how to do this, not without serious surgery on the internal workings of Twitter itself, which would, and that would, you know, end up having to extend to all the other social media. I just don't know how this is going to get fixed. Even if it is Elon Musk, and even if he is a brilliant, you know, engineer, I don't know. I just don't see it. But we've got other fish to fry inside the world's first no-coiner conference. Hope this brings you a chuckle. Ben Munster is writing this one for Decrypt. Now, understand, this is sort of part of Zero Knowledge, which is an occasional humor column from our roving correspondent, Ben Munster. Who knows if any of this is to be believed or if it's just satire on something that actually did happen, but I found it. Uh, it gave me a chuckle. Stephen Deal was giving an elaborate toast at the world's first conference for crypto skeptics, which he co-hosted this week. Quote, we want to thank the sponsors and of course the Illuminati, he said, to an almost frenzied hysteria from the gallery. Quote, we couldn't have done it without them. It was the final evening of the two-day crypto policy symposium in London and a group of crypto skeptics had gathered in a club at Mary Lebon to drink free Prosecco and conspicuously not sell each other crypto tokens. I was surrounded by guys who were the exact inverse of your usual crypto bro conference goer. They wore corduroy trousers, worked in IT, and they looked like your dad. They were all called Martin, and they came armed with evidence-based research, sober policy proposals, and empirical, entirely uncontroversial perspectives on market structure. Quote, we're getting more organized and more powerful. 
And this conference is a testament to that, said Deal, a ver- virulent online critic of crypto and a chief organizer of the conference. Coincidentally, he is also peddling a new free self-published book he co-authored, Popping the Crypto Bubble. Along with his colleagues, Deal animatedly answered questions from all comers, including one pro-coiner who wanted to know about the panel's thoughts on IoT blockchain network Helium. Spoiler alert, they think it's bogus. <laughs> they brought down the house with their wry provocations. Quote, crypto bros like talking about code. Real hardcore skeptics can actually code, end quote, and their cynical view of an industry that has long run on hype. They even tolerated a question from a wheezing porcine envoy from a reviled crypto publication about the skeptic's relationship with policymakers. Quote, from the crypto presses, Deal commented disdainfully before offering me a brusque answer. Quote, certainly crypto skeptics have become more involved in expressing our sentiments to policymakers. We have people from the highest echelons of power saying things our people are saying, end quote. (laughs) The Crypto Policy Symposium, which took place largely online but included one evening of networking, was the world's first conference of its kind and featured men and women in positions of considerable influence. Skeptical Twitter pundits, sweatily glad-handed policymakers, disillusioned programmers, mingled with Financial Times journalists. There were former regulators and even a sitting U.S. congressman, Representative Brad Sherman, the anti-crypto Democrat from Southern California. The conference was the first of what its organizers hope will be a long run and a new organization, the Center for Emerging Tech or something, has been set up in its wake. Crypto skeptics have existed almost as long as crypto has, but last year's parabolic rise in cryptocurrencies and this year's subsequent vomitous crash brought with it new, more determined cohort. No more is the crypto skeptic a semi-tragic lone wolf. The new entrants to the game are hugely influential online, and many, like Molly White, have become celebrities in their own right. If they weren't already celebrities, like Ben McKenzie, the OC actor turned bellicose crypto skeptic and author to be, thus far the no-coiner effort has been rather meager counterweight against the $10 million in lobbying money thrown at Congress by the Crow pro-crypto world during the past five years. For now, at least, the no-coiner lobby isn't much of a menace. The event itself, for instance, was a Spartan affair. Use of the private members club setting had been donated for free to one of the organizers. There was minimal marketing and most of the panels were virtual. The in-person portion was not advertised, presumably to deter Bitcoin terrorist attacks. Presumably to deter Bitcoiner terrorist attacks, panels were sober. Quote, the politics of Bitcoin. Crypto contagion. Are regulators and regulations fit to meet meet the crypto challenge? Usually crypto events try to sell you something, said organizer Jan Akelin, one of Deal's co-authors. We wanted this event to be free rather than bribe people to be here. Some of the speakers were impressive and more than a little dramatic. Sherman, arguably the foremost crypto hater in Congress, spoke grandiosely about the threats posed by crypto to American prestige. Here was a man whose very energy radiated imperial authority. A star-spangled banner hung behind him. He spoke with that timeless and slightly unsettling statesman-like deliberation perfected by H.W. Bush. His every pronouncement made you feel like you were about to be hit by a predator drone. 
His eyes twinkled enigmatically. He spoke at length about hamsters. Quote, Will Bitcoin always be worth more than hamster coin, he thundered. The Uruguayan peso will always have some value because there's always going to be an Uruguay. Will hamster coin always have the same value? What about cobra coin? And although a mongoose can defeat a cobra or a hamster, I believe mongoose coin, a coin that was created as the result of a joke I told at a hearing, is now worthless. Alex Sobel, by contrast, a friendly labor MP from Leeds North, radiated not so much imperial authority as the impression that he'd just climbed out of a single bed, shared with a dog. He was hanging back by the free bar. A former software engineer, he seemed up for a chat, so I sauntered over, asking him about the view on crypto in Westminster. Quote, there's an awareness in Parliament that crypto is backed by nothing, Sobel told me. What's not happening is MPs aren't going, I lost all my money, so it's not really permeating. (laughs) What especially piqued me was where Sobel said he had acquired much of his anti-crypto perspective. An excellent book called Attack of the 50-Foot Blockchain by one David Girard. Oh my God, it just goes on and on and on like that. So I'm just going to go ahead and let you go from that one. But at least... We can have a sense of humor about all this, right? I mean, especially right now, we all of us need a sense of humor. We're all going to have to coexist in this space. We might as well, and I'm not saying get along or try to see other people's views. No, fuck that. But at least we can have a good laugh at our own expense and sometimes other people's expenses. But this is very serious, but it's not totally unheard of. DeFi protocol token NFT crashes by 99% after, you guessed it, a flash loan attack. Prescient John, Cointelegraph, new free DAO, a decentralized finance protocol faced a series of flash loan attacks on Thursday, resulting in a reported loss of $1.25 million US. The price of the native token has dropped by 99% in the wake of the attack. Unlike normal loans, several DeFi protocols offer flash loans that allow users to borrow large amounts of assets without upfront collateral deposits. The only condition is that the loan must be returned in a single transaction within a set time period. However, this feature is often exploited by malicious adversaries to gather large amounts of assets to launch costly exploitations targeting DeFi protocols. Blockchain security firm Certikay alerted the crypto community on Thursday about the 99% price slippage of the NFT token due to a flash loan attack. The attacker reportedly deployed an unverified contract and called the function, quote, add member parentheses, close parentheses, to add itself as a member. The attacker later executed three flash loan attacks with the assistance of said unverified contract. The attacker first borrowed 250 wrapped BNB worth $69,825 via flash loan and swapped all of them for the native token NFT. The contract was then used to create multiple attack contracts to claim airdrop rewards repeatedly. The attacker then swapped all the airdrop rewards for wrapped BNB, benefiting 4,481 BNB tokens. Out of those that amount of tokens, the attacker returned the borrowed loan of 250 BNB and swapped 2,000 BNB 
for 550,000 BSC USD, the Binance PEG token of the blockchain. Later, the attacker moved 400 BNB to the popular coin mixer service Tornado Cash. Joe Green, OSINT and blockchain analyst at Certic, told Cointelegraph that the vulnerability lay in an unverified rewarding contract deployed by the new Free DAO project. However, quote, because the rewarding contract is unverified, we don't know the root cause, end quote. Certic also notified that the hacker behind the flash loan attack on NFD was related to those who exploited NEO order in May earlier this year. Later, another blockchain security firm, Beosin, told Cointelegraph that the attackers behind both the exploits could be the same. Certic confirmed the same and said, quote, the stolen funds from the N3DR attack were sent to EOA. Actually, it's just a, an address, so just some Ethereum address, which is the same wallet that received the stolen funds from this attack. Beosin also highlighted another vulnerability with the NFT protocol that could be further used for another type of flash loan attack. The security firm said that the price could be manipulated since they are calculated using the balance of USDT in the pair, so it may lead to a flash loan attack if exploited. Flash loan attacks have been popular among hackers during the low risk, low cost, and high reward factors. On Wednesday, Avalanche-based lending protocol Neurasis Finance became a victim of a crafty flash loan attack resulting in a loss of $371,000 in USDC. Earlier in June, Inverse Finance lost $1.2 million in another flash loan attack. If I were to, that's the end of the article. If I were to actually list every single coin, every single time, that got attacked as a through a flash loan attack, we'd be here for the next 10 minutes. And that would be me just reading their names. That's how many times I've brought this exact same story to you. Please, for the love of God, if you're new to the podcast, please listen to me. I'm not telling you this because I want to hurt you. I'm telling you about flash loan attacks because I want to help you not lose your fucking money. Okay, it's that simple. I don't want you losing your money. Why would I want you to lose your money? Have I, I've never shilled any, any coin other than Bitcoin. Okay, so if I'm going to give you a recommendation on a coin to buy, it's Bitcoin. It sure as shit isn't anything else. And it sure as shit isn't any of this DeFi bullshit. Because that's what it is. It's bullshit. And it's proven that over and over and over and over and over again. And nobody seems to understand what's happening. How do I know that they don't understand? Because it keeps happening. If you don't buy the bullshit, this, all this stops. So clearly people are still enamored with some kind of promise of high yield on their worthless bullshit DeFi token. And it, the, the only, help Smokey stop forest fires, okay? Only you can prevent you losing your money. And the only way that you can do that is to stop believing the hype. Go for the long haul. Lower your time preference. Become a Bitcoiner. We welcome you. Because Bitcoin's growth curve knocks out gold, oil, and bonds, or so says Marvin Ken from BitcoinNews.com. 
An August Bloomberg intelligence report on Bitcoin's growth curve saw it closely matching those of gold, oil, and U.S. Treasury bonds. In its August edition of Crypto Outlook, senior commodity strategist Mike McGlone and senior market structure analyst Jamie Couts compared Bitcoin markets to those of gold, bonds, and oil. This might have been due to market recovery of T-bills or T-bonds as inflation decreases, a plethora of media and public eye juxtapositions of Bitcoin and gold over the years, and the fact that Bitcoin is an energy-backed currency that will closely follow the performance of energy sources like oil, be they going high, low, sideways, or, you know, around in circles. Hopefully, as the global economy gears up for a nice cool upswing in the fourth quarter, Bonds, gold, oil, and Bitcoin will all swell with proud financial return on investment. However, there is reason to presage that Bitcoin will tear ahead of this race to defend its title. United States Treasury bonds are encumbered by the massive debt burden that hangs over their heads, ready to pop at any minute. Gold is not adopted by any merchant business. Consumers largely ascribe it value given its marriage of historic significance with extreme political affiliations. People largely value gold because they cannot get their hands on it. If they did, it would quickly become worth less. Oil, despite the good it does building civilizations, is a raw material desired by all and poorly held controlled by anybody. There is a need for something above it that can direct its transmutative fire into more productive processes and not more resource wars. That thing is Bitcoin, and it has the power to turn the oil of the earth enriched with uranium into renewable energy systems from the sun that serve to enliven all. Unlike the aforementioned trio, Bitcoin is the ultimate meritocracy gauge. The question of who or what is really most valuable is answered best in a world with Bitcoin at its center. So you can expect that its growth curve will beat anything else as it gets adopted by everybody today and tomorrow. And I can't agree with you more. Last on the list of uh, funny shit to watch out for, thousands tune in to a fake Apple crypto scheme on YouTube as per a report decrypts uh, Tim Hackey has it. Tens of thousands of crypto fans turned in to watch someone live stream an old interview with Apple CEO Tim Cook, promising phoniness from the get-go. The first and most obvious giveaway was the rather flat title, Apple Event Live CEO of Apple Tim Cook, Apple and Metaverse in 2022. The Bitcoin and Ethereum logos, as well as the urgent news bar at the bottom, were also strong indicators that this was fake. The interview footage itself was reappropriated from a CNN money interview with Tim Cook from 2018. The cable news channel's logo was obscured by the text Apple Crypto Event 2022. But more surprising than that, the stream appears to have been a minor hit while it was live. The range of viewers that tuned in in over the course of the stream went from 16,000 to 70. That's seven zero thousand, according to The Verge, despite the stream's obvious and ham-fisted chicanery. Those brave enough to click through into the channel's YouTube profile were greeted with a URL that had, you guessed it, nothing to do with Apple, suggesting an honest YouTube account may have been hijacked by crypto scammers. Following the links in the video's description led viewers to a dubious crypto site, of course. 
The video was removed shortly after it appeared for allegedly violating YouTube's terms of service. The crypto scammers who streamed the old footage were likely piggybacking off the hype generated by Apple's iPhone 14 announcement. The California-based tech firm has been tight-lipped about blockchain so far. In response to the emerging crypto industry in 2018, Cook said Apple would not be producing its own money and even added that it doesn't believe in decentralized money, period. Yeah, it's because you are a patsy of fiat government. Quote, a currency should stay in the hands of countries, he said in an interview. You mean fiat governments, Mr. Apple, whatever. At the end of last year, Cook appeared to have partially embraced cryptocurrencies and confirmed that he personally owns some and considers it reasonable to own it as part of his diversified portfolio. In spite of Cook's softening stance on crypto, Apple ostensibly has no plans to utilize crypto or blockchain technology at present. Yeah, because they don't have to, but that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Joke time with Dad Says Jokes. I bought a new sofa yesterday. The assistant told me that it would seat five people without a problem. Alas, I was never able to find five people without problems. All right, guys, if you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Use Fountain App right now. They just updated uh, the the app. Uh, I guess maybe some more bug fixes. I don't know yet because I just updated my app to be able to read the boostograms that you gave me, which is one way that you can support the show. You give me a boostogram and then you can send me a message and I will get it on my Fountain app. Um, I think the Fountain app gets other boostograms because it's part of the podcasting 2.0 uh, structure. I'm not sure about that. If somebody can tell me definitively, let me know, please, whether or not like somebody boosts from another podcasting app, whether or not I'm going to be able to see that on uh, Fountain. Um, also, you can stream me Satoshis as I stream you these dulcet tones. That's another way to support the show. And all of this goes to my own lightning node, which physically sits four feet away from me with its very own hard drive. It's on a Raspberry Pi 4, and I'm going to have to upgrade to a 64-bit Raspberry Pi 4 because I don't think I'm going to be able to upgrade to the MyNode 0.3.0 without an upgrade there. So uh, I don't know how that's going to work. I may just have to spin up a brand new node, uh, which I've been thinking about doing anyway. But anyway, help support the show. Use Podcasting 2.0 because not only will you be supporting me, You'll be supporting all other podcasters, whether they're in Bitcoin or not, in the Podcasting 2.0 universe. And with that said, I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.